Jackie Holowade is my guest this week. She is the VP of Employee and Guest Experience at the Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, home to the Seattle Kraken of the NHL. It is the number nine arena in the world, according to Polestar Magazine, best new concert venue in the world, according to Polestar Magazine, sports facility of the year, according to Sports Business Journal, but more importantly, it's the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. 100% electric, 100% renewable energy. They even used 120,000 gallons of water to make the ice that the Seattle Kraken skate on. It's a great story. Jackie's got a great journey. She stops by today to talk about what she does, how she did it, and what her and the team will do next. Jackie, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, fabulous. It's Friday, I guess, today, which is nice. So very excited. But you don't have a Monday to Friday schedule. Don't, Does anybody? Do you, do you <laughs> no, have no. In, in events and in, in, in arena world? You don't have that, do you? No, that's a lie. There is. But there's no event today, which is great. Um, but, you know, weekends, holidays, it all blends. But it's why we do it. It makes life exciting. Uh, we'll get into your building because I love your building. And I've done a couple of shows there uh, with you, obviously. We had a, a great day, um, a couple of days there. And, and it, they've done some incredible work in that space. But uh, you're coming to us from outside Seattle or in Seattle. Where Where is your home right now in, in, in uh, the Stankadoes? We're just north of Seattle. So um, just... Not too far, far enough that you can separate, but close enough that it's easy to get in and out every day, which is not too bad. <laughs> How has been your move to the West? I mean, you were in the West a little bit before, but I mean, you like, where do you prefer mm-hmm. to kind of live, East or West? Oh, West Coast, best coast, hands down. It's, um, I don't know, it's always been, it felt like home, even when we first moved here. I'm from Colorado originally. So when we first moved here years ago, actually to British Columbia, it was like, just felt natural. And anytime we'd moved out east, every place we moved, anytime we'd come back west, the Pacific Northwest just felt calming, like just a really zen, relaxing moment. So we always knew we wanted to get back. It really is. It, mm-hmm. It's it's quite something. And, and it's rare that that's uh, outside of a career moment that people leave this this place. Once you get out here, you're kind of in it and you're kind of stuck in it because it just yeah. gets inside you, you know? Yeah, I actually, I remember one of the um, executives at a, a previous role I had when I had moved and was taking a job out east. She's like, you lived in Colorado, British Columbia, like Seattle, Washington. You live every place people are begging to go. Like, what makes you want to come here? It's like, well, it's a great question. Uh, one, hopefully this is not a forever stay on the East Coast. But two, just great opportunity. So even people were surprised at how much like I was okay leaving. But I always knew would make it back here eventually. It just gets in you. It's 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 really <laughs> tough. And and I uh, I travel for work as you know. And and people ask me all the time, like, what's your favorite part of the world? And it's like the Pacific Northwest is still one of the best places in the world. Oh, I go I go searching I go searching for what we have here when I'm traveling. It, you know, oh, right? you're, in, you're in Prague or you're here, and you're there. I'm like, yeah, but I go searching for mountains and oceans and rivers. It just has to happen. <laughs> everything that's here and let's go worldwide to see where else we can get what is right in our backyard right so you've made some time for me today and i appreciate it Uh, i wanted to uh have you on the show because as as mentioned this is a show about people that do things and people that did things and might or will do things Uh, and i believe that you fall into all three of these categories because since i've uh known you uh you've you've you you were doing something and then you went and did something and then you were planning on doing something and then you started doing something again and then 
now you do it and then maybe you'll do something else. So it was perfect. Here you are. You're the perfect <laughs> guest for the show. So, uh, all right, Jackie, uh, it, this, the show is called do did will. So what do you do? I'm currently the Vice President of Employee and Guest Experience with Climate Pledge Arena um, here in Seattle, uh, which is owned and operated by Oakview Group, as well as the Seattle Kraken. So, yeah, it's a pretty exciting role. We are the first net zero carbon certified arena in the world. So I came here a few years ago uh, to help open up this arena. But it is a historic arena. So the roof was landmarked roof. So pretty marvelous feat to basically hold up a 40 million pound roof uh, while they dug underground. It's a completely subterranean facility, added it, rebuilt it, and kind of um, from a sustainable platform, kept it. And it's this beautiful, I like to call it humble, like Pacific Northwest is very humble. And when new arenas are built, they're built from the ground up, usually not underground. And so when you walk up to it, it seems really humble. And, and I mean, it's, she's She's beautiful. But then when you walk inside, you're kind of hit with this overpowering sensation of, wow, this arena really is stunning. Um, and like the skyline and just everything that falls into it, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Fun fact, the design of the roof uh, is actually after the Coast Salish rain hat, um, which is very fitting for Seattle and everything that matters to us. But my role here is ultimately just to make sure that we create a really um, compassionate and collaborative environment for all of our employees. And then that in turn will hopefully support a really amazing guest experience. So saying here is employees first, guests forever. And I get the wonderful job of actually tying to what maybe sometimes seems different responsibilities into one, and then rather putting all of our effort in a guest services department saying, hey, it's your responsibility Actually, what we've done here is say it's everyone's responsibility, whether you are housekeeping, conversions, overnight, security, parking, yeah. third party, doesn't matter. We're all responsible to have this collective experience for both our employees and our guests. The opening of the arena and it coincides, you know, with a pandemic and building everything and you know i will stay away from too many mass pictures but there you are there you are on the ground building it uh masked up as they go through the process but um how difficult was it coming out of that to uh, get people back into it uh, get the employees and everybody involved on the same page after not working for two years or whatever uh, they were and, and trying to sustain. I know what it's like to sustain staff in an arena. It's it's almost it's very very difficult. So how have you found that experience? Uh, I would most difficult in my career, <laughs> definitely. Um, partly because you're building an organization. This wasn't an organization that existed pre-COVID, really. So you were also onboarding all full-time employees, trying to figure out how you blend, how you can build trust amongst each other, and you're doing it in Zoom squares. People are moving or not moving, and some waited until close closer to when we could actually open offices here again to move to Seattle. So people were learning themselves. They were learning if they even liked the city, all while we're trying to open up this beautiful arena you know, hire 1500 part-time employees to help get us off the ground. Um, so it was, it was challenging, but I also think it was one of those where everything that I try to learn up to my career to this point was put to the test of, you know, making sure we stay humble throughout and making sure that we kind of give the grace to people because we all needed some grace and, you know, we make it look pretty on the outside for everybody, but we had some bumps in the road as we obviously got to open. Uh, it was, Something I hope that we never have to go through as a society again, <laughs> absolutely, because it was challenging. But the interesting part was also kind of the beauty when we did open our doors for the first time, which we had a, a private event, which was Foo Fighters. And that's still going to be one of the most, I get goosebumps just saying that, like yeah, one of yeah. the most beautiful moments. And 
you know, it was, we had vaccine verification, masks, all the things that you were kind of still dealing with. But for like a moment during that, it kind of didn't feel like the outside world was there. And we could just really celebrate humanity with the Foo Fighters in this wonderful moment. Um, and that will, that will stick with me forever. Everything was worth like that one moment for me, for sure. Well, that, and collectively to your point, as far as, you know, uh, working together as a team when something like that happens. I mean, that's the first, that's the first event. What was it? What was the year of that? When, when did that actually? Open, uh, October 19th of 2021. Right in it. Yeah. Like, right in it. Right. People were <laughs> we still were, kind of, yeah, yeah. I was we there not too it. long after, um, in 22. So it was, they still smell, you know, the, the, the paint on the walls, but, <laughs> yeah. um, it was, uh, it was quite an experience there and your team has created, uh, an amazing experience there. So kudos on you uh, when it comes to that. Uh, you must have been sad when you heard the, the the news of Taylor passing, unfortunately. You know. Yeah, it made it made that moment. I think even so much more kind of stuck as that core memory in your brain when you know it's never going to have that ability to have that impact again with all the surrounding stuff. And yeah, the team, everyone that's been a part of this project, as much as it's been the most difficult, it's also been hands down the most like most rewarding. I've learned the most, I've grown the most. And like, I think it's easy when you're in your career for so long to be like, how much more do I have to learn? I'm a believer that like, I love to learn and I've learned a lot in the last <laughs> 24 months, a lot. You never stop. And I mean, you'll be, no. you, you know, this group of people that have come through this situation in every profession are going to have that on the resume, which is like, well, I opened an arena during a pandemic. What does that mean? Or we had to staff 1500 people during a pandemic. What, what does that mean? You know, and, and you, you can bring that to the table no matter where, and you know, sports teams played during a pandemic and they had to kind of manage operations and concerts were online and it was just, everyone had gone through it. I, I went and ran concerts that summer of 2021. I guess it was 21. I did some shows and it was just weird. It was like, I'm in Arkansas. I'm in some of these places and I'm like, the world's just moving on down here. So it, yeah. it, it, we're all kind of coming out of this thing as with new experience and, and new and new everything. So it uh, must've been a, a super challenge, but kudos on you and your team for, for pulling that off. Um, tell me a little bit about um, the arena. You sent me this and I think this was great. So uh, give me a little bit, a, a little bit more info on, on the climate pledge. Cause uh, for our people listening on the East coast that ignore us in the West, we're going <laughs> to fill them in on how we're trying to change the world out here. So. Change the world is absolutely it. Yeah. <clears throat> and this was actually a little bit bonus of this is we actually some new metrics now that we kind of kicked off this season. So uh, we are the first net zero carbon certified arena in the world. And it's a mouthful to say, but it's worth every time that I, I get to say it. And what that means is it's it's challenging. Definitely. It, it, it's to do this, especially in a large scale environment like we're doing, but it's not impossible. And I think that's what we love so much about it by doing this, we can prove to the rest of our industry and even outside of our industry that you can do this and you can be sustainable and we can be better for the world because I hope to still see concerts in 40 years, right? And I hope that we can still be thinking about our environment and, and seeing it improve, <clears throat> excuse me, over the course of the 40 years. So with that, we um, do source 75% of all of our food and beverage within 300 miles. And when you're talking arena scale, thousands, tens of thousands of people coming through uh, weekly, that's not easy to do. And we also installed this really cool uh, 
rain to rink cistern for all of our NHL ice. We call it the greenest ice in the NHL. Um, and we've used over 150,000 gallons of rainwater. So I believe pretty much all of last season, all the ice resurfacing was done with rainwater. We used no city rainwater, which or no city water, which is pretty fascinating. And I'll say one of the most exciting things that I've learned a lot throughout this is this idea of zero waste. And it's, you have to have 95% of all of your waste diverted. Anyone that's been to a concert, you think hot dogs, chicken fingers, beer, bottles, all of that stuff. And we actually have been able to divert 96% of everything we do, even when you have 18,000 people there for one show away from the landfill, which is Jeez. pretty fascinating. You have your own system in place at the building? We do. We have what we call our sustainability room. Um, it sounds so much fancier than like, here's your garbage sorting room, right? right. <laughs> but basically that's it. And I will say our housekeeping team, they, they will, they deserve all the credit. I mean, they, people do not understand what they go through. They're taking open these trash bags at the end of the night to make sure what people did, if they didn't sort it properly, we resort it to make sure it goes to the proper space. That's amazing. Did you, <laughs> yeah. do you do something with the rainwater? Yeah, the rainwater, that's... The old building that we worked at in Abbotsford, they would take the the rainwater and turn it into the ice, turn it into the ice surface, which made it the best ice in the world. You know, it was incredible. So I'm curious yeah. if you guys do that. Yeah. Funny enough, it's everyone kept talking about, oh, this is the first time they've done this reindeer ring system. I said, haha. No way. No, because I was an Abbotsford when they launched it back there, which was still one of the coolest partnerships and a cool story. So yeah, we do have the reindeer ring cistern, which was a thought afterwards. Um, like I said, it's we call it the greenest ice in the NHL. And I've talked with our ice crew. Fun fact is that because rainwater has a little more grit to it, they have to put it through all the filtration systems. And our ice crew here built some pretty cool processes to make it work. But We've actually been told it's some of the best ice in the NHL as well because the way it sticks together because of the grittiness actually makes it better than completely filtered city water, which is interesting. Yeah, I think it's incredible. Um, and I've skated on rainwater ice, and it's amazing. And uh, mm -hmm. and and you live in the we live in the West, and we get rain all the time. You got to do something with it. So I think that's a, it's an amazing place. Plus, I think your zambonis are electric, if I if I recall. Or we do have two electric Zambonis. That is correct. <laughs> I wonder how Andrew Nash would feel about that, you know, spinning it around, you know. But anyways, uh, okay, that's a, the, the arena is amazing. Anyone on the East, if you want to take a road trip, we'll, we'll, get, we'll come back to the arena in a little while. But if you, you want to take a road trip through the West, make sure you do yourself a favor and either come for a hockey game. I mean, the team is killing it right now, seven wins in a row. But number two... The arena is an amazing experience to walk into. ClimatePledgeArena.com. Check it out. Uh, it's a very cool place. Uh, the, the vibe is great. And a, a boost to the city, too. I mean, the city's, like, on fire again. The city has literally exploded. The, you know, the Mariners are doing amazing, and and the, uh, the Seahawks are doing amazing. And then now you got a winning hockey team, and it's incredible what a brand-new or refurbished arena can do to a space. You know? Yeah. It's, it's yeah, amazing. it's actually – it's a, it's such a sports city that I, I don't think people – if you're not – if you don't aren't here in this space, you don't necessarily understand it. But what's really cool about Seattle is they support their sports teams, whether they like hockey or not, like they are all in on if there's a, a local hockey team. So sure. our fans are fantastic. I think the same goes for the Mariners and the Seahawks and, you know, the Storm, four-time WNBA champions, which is pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Sounders, everything that's here. So I think that's been a really fun thing. And to your point, moving here during the pandemic, what Seattle was, and now even watching it come out as a more yeah. vibrant city is pretty, it, it's going to be a, a place like it's going to, 
Everyone uh, needs to come here. <laughs> I liken it to moving when I moved to Vancouver in 2005. It was in that it was in that Olympic build phase, and it there was like mm-hmm. the Olympic and the Vancouver before the Olympics were announced, and then the Vancouver that existed after the Olympics were announced, and then the Vancouver that existed after the Olympics left, which you know put infrastructure into the city. It was incredible. So, yeah. Amazing. Um, awesome stuff, my friend. Okay. So, uh, how did you do it, Jackie? How did you get to where you, you, how did you get to Seattle from Colorado and all points in between on this job? Cause you've had a, a handful of jobs, different job titles over the years, but how did you do it? Yeah. Um, well, I was born and raised in, in Colorado. So that's definitely always that, that place and that love for me, but within this industry specifically, Fun fact, I actually went to school for um, at Colorado State University and for the a degree in natural resources, rec and tourism, which I wanted to be a park ranger and spend my time in the mountains, riding horses and just living live a nice dream um, there. This is a little different, but while I was in college, interestingly enough, there was a job that opened at the Budweiser Event Center in Loveland. Um, my aunt was the director of finance and she said, hey, they're hiring part-time ticket sellers. You interested? Hey, sure, I'll make some money. And it was immediate that I just fell in love with the energy that happened at an arena and like night of events, hockey games, everything. Um, And the camaraderie, I think, of also the people that work in the arena was like something I'd never felt before. I'd worked in restaurants, I'd managed restaurants, a lot of different stuff. But there was something about this. You're there late. You're there early. You're doing all this for thousands of people day in and day out. And it was a very different family vibe that was just, I was immediately hooked. I was like, this is it. I, this is what I need to do. So from there, I actually went up to British Columbia, opened a few arenas up there, uh, South Okanagan Event Center and Penticton, Abbotsford Center in Abbotsford, as you know, mm-hmm. um, and then helped to support a lot of arenas with the it was Global Spectrum, then Spectra, which is now OVG, um, was acquired about a year ago by OVG. And then I realistically, there was a part where I said, hey, I'm in the ticketing space. I love ticketing. Um, but I we have all these resources. There's all these people that do ticketing and I don't have contacts. And so I just started Googling, went to all these venues, finding their box office manager, assistant manager's name, and then created this whole network of ticket managers to say, hey, let's help each other. Let's talk when tours are coming. Let's see how we can make it easier for tours that if we can kind of come together and when a tour goes from one venue to the next, let's make it easy. Because no one needs to try to reinvent the wheel 59 times on a tour date, right? Like everything else is going on. So that kind of led me um, out to open up PPL Center uh, in Allentown uh, as an assistant general manager there. Tom Petty, this is one of my favorite work photos because um, RIP, but that was fantastic. Another construction because I love to go into construction. I think I've done six now construction building <laughs> projects. I don't know why every time I'm like no more. And then then I went to this pinnacle one of Climate Pledge Arena. I don't know how I topped this one, but uh, yeah, went in the corporate office for a little bit, um, oversaw hundreds of venues. And then from there, I really fell in love with like leadership development, client experience, services, employee space, um, and got really involved in just realizing we can do better as a corporate world. We could do better as the industry to help support growth. And just we don't need to do what was always done for 40 years, right? Like, let's change the game a little bit and let's make sure we've got this next level of talent coming up in a space that's really awesome for them. And uh yeah. So to get me here, though, there's a bit of a bump, which is a fun one. Uh, that's COVID. And so, you know, like probably most people in the industry lost my job during COVID. Uh, and I still think it's one of the best things that happened to me because I had this massive thing I like to call loyalty guilt. I was with the same company for 17 years, 16, 17 yeah. years, and I was never going to leave. I loved it. I loved everything about it. And I don't even know if I would have left if Climate Pledge Arena had called me 
and this didn't happen, right? Like it's, I think, why would I have turned that down? But I was loyal. So I think losing the loyalty guilt, still having a great relationship with everybody that I worked with, Climate Pledge Arena called me two days after, actually, uh, I got let go and had no idea. And here I am. So it was like it was meant to be, which is pretty cool. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You you mentioned the 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 term opening of arenas or you know, and you were in ticketing. Um, what are the different jobs? If you could list your ten different jobs that you had from ticketing assistant up to this point, um, what were the Coles Notes version of the various jobs that you've had? leading to the spot yeah ticketing um, running box offices um, doing events overseeing marketing um, AGM um, taking on some general management duties I uh, did so a lot of booking within that so booking shows um, dealing with that a lot of client services and relationships dealing with our city and our client advisors and then in the corporate office um, over like a vice president of client experience type of role so we oversaw all of our relationship building business development would go on pitches sales pitches across to try to get new business um really coming from the experiential side surveying data analytics like a little bit of everything now that i just said that out loud <laughs> like not it doesn't all blend but it's worked really well i guess okay so keeping with that theme then which job has been your favorite ah oh, that's hard that's the uh, tough question. We asked the tough questions here. <laughs> no, I, I honestly think this one, and I will say one of the things actually during COVID that I did um, was with a, a good friend of mine, we started um, a company called Helm Development, where we really tied into like leadership development and working with people, whether it's executive coaching. And so that's what I really found I loved a lot of um, and being able to like help prepare people and help people understand how people learn to manage people and just get people on the right path, help companies kind of blend their team back together if there's ever struggles and conflict. So that kind of even led into what this role is. And so I really do think this role has is my favorite so far. Um, obviously, there's the cool side of what everything that we do and the hype of it, but just something about being so ingrained with that employee side um, and huh, look, team building. I love team building uh, and the employee side and kind of the guest side all tied together it takes it back to like why I'm doing this, right? Like, yeah, it's flashy. I love the concerts. Everything's great. But like being there with the people who make it happen and mm -hmm. doing it with the people we're doing it for, that just something about that. I don't, I don't think I can beat that. Taking all that experience from opening buildings and, and all these various roles that you've had for me, giving you an example, you know, I do this job uh, running concerts and traveling for when the lights go out, and you hear the band come on or you hear, you know, at least in my world and concert world, when the lights go out, everyone's getting what they want exactly at that, at that moment. You've had various experiences, either whether it be basketball or indoor arena football or hockey or concerts or whatever it's going to be. So your, your, your feeling might be a little bit different, but what is that feeling for you then that keeps you coming to the situation, coming to the arena is that Foo Fighters moment where you're like, we've all come together to make this happen, or do you have a specific moment at every single event that makes you feel like this is why I do it? 
It's, it's the call for doors open. Doesn't matter what event. It's the call for doors open that always gets me uh, because it's like, it's almost this like weird quiet moment right before doors open. Like everyone's there waiting, you're waiting for the call on the radio, you're waiting for everyone to say it. And then the doors open and the energy comes. And before even all the noise and everything, it's like this wave of energy from the crowd outside that just fills the arena, preemptively fills the arena. And that to me, I don't care if it's basketball, if it's a thousand people or if it's 18,000 people showing up for an event, like that energy of doors open is my like my kryptonite, right? Is that the word? Like that's like what gets me every time. Like, oh, kryptonite's a bad word. I guess that's like what takes kryptonite me down. You know what I mean? You, kryptonite <laughs> would make you sad. We'll go with uh, th- that's your uh, non-alcoholic shot of tequila. I don't know. That's what that is. Yeah, that's my rush. That's like that's my like my adrenaline high of get me those doors open. Yeah, every time. it's an incredible feeling. It- people that that aren't in events and I, I liken it to every single person is on their own personal journey so whether it be um, you know someone building a, a building for instance so you know that first shovel in the ground there you know the head of construction must be like this is this is the moment for me or mm-hmm. or when the lights get turned on and you see it more in American films than you do anything else where it's like the yeah. lights come on and a slow walk into the arena or something like that. But I, uh, I feel like it's uh, everyone has their moment within them that mm-hmm. keeps them moving forward. So it's similar. We're similar in that regard. You know, when I, when, when I, when the lights go out, that's when everyone's getting exactly what they want at that moment, which means that all the teams and everyone involved in that space from cleaning, from, conversions from everything mm-hmm. all work together to get that moment. And, uh, you know, you've got a few more things to manage than I do in that regard. So it must be a, a <laughs> hell of a feeling to, uh, you've got people, you got people showing up for, if people don't show up for work for, 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 for you, for you, I don't have a show to run. So, so it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. We say the same. It's like, I always think is, you know, the guest is so important. And I think we learn that, especially like we don't exist as an or an industry without guests, live guests. Like it's, that's what keeps us there going. So I do think watching, you know, say Foo Fighters, right. You watch all these people who are complete strangers in the, in this pandemic phase coming together and just celebrating each other. Like, doesn't sure. matter what you did the day before. It's not going to matter what you do tomorrow. Like, you're in this moment together with thousands of strangers, and you feel that. You can't always see it, but you feel it, I guess. I and I don't know that. It. That's that's that energy that's like, oh, you know, all the all the the controversy or the everything else that's going on. Like, it kind of removes itself for those few hours. And like, if only people could feel more of that, it would be pretty fabulous. Well, events bring people together. Entertainment is the is the one thing that seems to make it through a lot of things. It's the first thing people mm-hmm. go to when they need to feel good. Uh, it's the, also the first time since I've been in it. I mean, outside of September 11th for like two weeks, where our whole industry completely shut down, and it yeah. was a weird feeling that I think that uh, you know our industry needed. I think everyone needed a chance to to uh, to take a break. Um, it didn't benefit some. It did benefit some like yourself and it did, you know, it, and it gave everybody a chance to reset. So, um, you may, I, I'm curious as to what kind of workforce you have now, you know, is it a more positive force? Is it somebody that the people that are more appreciative to be working, uh, or because they're the, my big thing that I'm finding supply chain, uh, labor and people all the way around is a massive shortage because there's so many options for people to go work other in other places. So what mm-hmm. kind of employee do you have now? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, that's been a huge piece of what I've been focused on, right? Is there's so many options and it's not even about the pay anymore. We pay well in Seattle, Seattle in general, everything's higher minimum wage. So it's not even the, the pay. It's, it honestly is the environment and people are looking for, we have this guest experience pledge and our, our fifth bullet point. And I say, if I can talk for hours, but like if the only thing you ever listen to me say is our fifth bullet point, which is create a space where people belong. And to me, I think that goes for our guests, that goes for our employees. And it's creating just this space and this energy where they feel valued, that they can be listened to. And not to the point of like entitlement, right? Like you get everything. And sometimes you can go too far if you just give Like there has to still be boundaries. And I believe in that. But setting boundaries doesn't mean you still can't create a space where people belong for anything that you're doing. And I think that has really helped our employee workforce. It is one of we get, and I I will shout it out. We get some of the best remarks and we get comments in our surveys that like, we should teach Disney how to train in customer service. (laughs) And for me, that's like warms my heart because our staff is just so happy to be there and they don't have to, right? Like we know they don't have to be there. Not all of them need to be there. So when they show up, we're very grateful for them. They chose us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course we offer them the job, but they still chose us because there is options everywhere. And I will never forget that. Moving along to the final section of this show, um, what will Jackie do next? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to do here still. Um, A lot of opportunity as we're growing. We're launching new businesses here and everything that's growing in Seattle. I 100% would love to... And I hope to be to be a part of, especially as Oakview Group grows and is is doing all the stuff that they're doing, really help to make sure we have a, a better scenario of how we're talking about our employees and our guests across all um, venues, and to help kind of set that standard for the industry and help support um, the industry in terms of you know, creating that environment where our employees can thrive, our guests can have the best time and that it doesn't have to be competitive. And I think that's one of the the things for me that I would love to continue to build. And I do think actually one of the po- positives of, you know, the pandemic and that was even competitors realized they need each other to survive. And to me, that's a pretty beautiful thing. So I think that's where I would love to help support and be more involved in is saying like competition's great and it's healthy and we can also be the best of allies in the same space because the more we collectively work together as an industry the better our industry is for the long run the more like strong we are the more stable we are because we have those foundations and those roots across it doesn't matter who you are who you work for what it is like to me it's the industry. That's what matters because that's what we love so much. It's not all about who pays your paycheck, truthfully. And it's about like the connections, like, you know, me knowing you and, and like you mentioned Nash earlier and Corey and just everybody that we know kind of collectively together and all those experiences, those are the people that it's why I'm still here. It's the friendships that you make and they're whether most are still in the industry. Cause we, you know, once you're in, you're usually in for life. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yeah. But I think about the people I know throughout North America, actually even over into Singapore and like the world and just how I still talk to them, how I still support them. And I like, I'm just so excited to see them grow and like crushing things in this life. And I think that I want to be really involved in that and make sure that we can continue to push that as what we're doing for sure. That, that just hypes me up to like, watch it grow and succeed. You opened a space in Singapore, correct? I didn't open it with the Singapore sports hub, but I actually went there for, um, to train some of the staff, customer service training, uh, you know, behavioral awareness training, things like that to really make it a more cohesive. Ah, yes. The, the good old group there to, to really just bring some more stuff because it's massive complex. That's doing amazing things. Uh, 
year round 365. So in the big Singapore stadium, there does some pretty awesome shows. How's uh, your relax meter? You get a chance right to, now, uh, get out and unwind <laughs> and, and do things like, what are you doing to, uh, to keep uh, your mental sanity and, and, and yeah. outside of events and all the fun, we all can get addicted to work. Uh, and, and, and if we love our job, especially we can spend a substantial amount of time there, Yeah. but, um, what are you doing to, uh, to, to maintain? Yeah. In, I mean, funny enough, 2023 is, I'm going to call that my, my maintain year. Um, 2022 was still opening the building and I tried mentally, cause this is again, not the first time I've opened one to say, no, I'm not going to let it take hold of me. And it 100% took hold of me, but I want to enjoy the Pacific Northwest. Like that's why we're back. So I've gotten back into skiing and snowboarding this year. I've been up to the mountains a few times. Um, just getting outside, hiking, um, you know, trying to get out and do more hikes and things like that, getting into yoga more and all the stuff that I really enjoyed. Funny enough, actually getting more involved in like WISE, which is women in sports entertainment and getting back into those things that I was really passionate about that kind of all dispersed and things happened. And then I got busy and finding those things that, that, you know, that give me that energy. And I want to really get 2023 to, to be that. So work's great. And I love work. And I think people talk about work-life balance or whatever. And I've read this thing about it's never balanced. Like if you love what you do, you don't have to feel like you have to balance that with life because it is part of your life. And that's how work feels for me is I love when I'm at work. I love the people that I work with. I love what we do. Um, so I don't feel like to balance, like I work this many days, so I have to be away from work and mentally disconnected. Like I like to still be mentally connected in some spaces because I enjoy it so much, but in those times away, I want to be able to kind of also have those moments of like, I'm going to go hike and I'm going to go do this and I'm going to separate and I need my, my zone out. So this year's definitely, I think going to be that year of getting outside more and hopefully getting better at skiing. I hadn't skied in 22 years and I finally got back up and I did it and it was fun. And now I'm going to get, you know, back to my ways. So it'll be great. I, uh, I've, li- I haven't skied in a long time and I live, you know, a 28 minutes away from a mountain. So it's, it's been, it's been an interesting one to try to bring that into my world again. I'm doing more paddleboarding and camping and stuff out in this way. The ocean just has that effect. Is this your favorite job of all time? Is this your favorite moment in life uh, from your journey aspect, given all the things that we've gone through over the last couple of years, the opening of the arena, uh, the, the project, um, is this your, is this, is this the best, the best version of you right now, uh, career wise and, and, and all the rest of it? Uh, I'm very curious about that because this, this arena is doing incredible things and you've done an amazing work to get there. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I would say yes, only because I feel like if it wasn't, then I, I need to make it my best. <laughs> it's like, I got to get to it to being my best. Cause I want to always be in that position of progressing. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's the best version of myself in a lot of different ways. Like, yes, there's things that I wish that were better. There's things all like all the stuff that we can challenge ourselves and our insecurities with, but I do, I think like the, the living wall and just walking into the arena and having this conversation again with you, it's like, we really do a lot here and it's not just here for Seattle or not just here for the industry. What's really fun about this job and this role is it's 
like you mentioned early on, like it's changing the world and it's part of something so much bigger. I've got two kids. Like I want to make sure they see this legacy of, you know, being kind to mother nature and how we're doing these things, I think is so critical and so important. And what we're a part of here in Seattle, like in new higher orientation, I always say, like we started to say we're the first net zero. I think five venues now have committed to becoming net carbon zero. That five is going to be 10, that 10 is going to be 40. Like it's going to exponentiate. So we were, I do think, a pillar of amazing positive change. And I think there's so many more things that are going to come from what we can do here. So, yeah, it's it's fun. It's tiring. It's, like I said, one of the most exhausting ones because, but I yeah. do actually think we're on that, like, that trajectory now where all that exhaustion is to this point of, like, let's go. Like, my my metabolism's ready, my energy. Like, we're going to go We're gonna go do this um, and make it happen. Did you, uh, you mentioned a part about uh, uh, net zero. Does that mean that your competition has reached out and said, "How are you doing it?" Or is it does that internally within the company that's 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 going net zero? Both. So I mean, it's definitely a big OVG pitch of you know they're pushing all their venues to get to this space. Um, but uh, um, like Footprint Center, I think down in Phoenix is doing the same thing. A lot of new arenas are doing it worldwide. It's actually becoming a thing, which is even more powerful that it's going you know larger. And being a fully electric arena, as anyone that runs an arena, like no fossil fuels, you know, cooking everything takes longer. So you have to adapt for it. And yeah, there is costs. We offset any of our carbon footprint with. Um, carbon offsets as well. So there's a financial implication. The better we get at these things, um, the less of that, you know, financial implication from the carbon offset gets. But I think it's also people like getting to this idea that like, you don't have to be scared. You can start small. Not everyone has to be net carbon zero to start making changes to do better for the world. And I think it's bringing that conversation to the forefront. That's been really fun. People tour our arena all the time because they want to learn about it. Even if it's just, Hey, let's get more compostable materials in our building. Yeah. Like, okay, great. That's one step that makes a massive difference when you think of the billions of people that are going to be going to tours and like shows throughout yeah. the world. In fact, like it's pretty powerful. So some last minute stats, uh, some last stuff. So 22% of your attendees take public transit to climate pledge arena. You follow that up with, um, on January 1st, you started offering public transportation subsidy on, on all, uh, publicly ticketing events and previously it was only previously it was only Seattle Kraken or the Seattle Storm. So now all events are going to get a subsidy, which is cool. 100% electric arena, as mentioned, 100% renewable energy, free of single-use plastic, which is incredible. Uh, 20 water filling stations. You, you said 75% of your food and beverage source within a 300-mile radius, which is very impressive because the pressure to keep food costs down, given how costly food is you think they would cheat a little bit and go find somewhere somewhere cheaper but you know uh the rain to rink i think is the most is one of the most important that's 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 harnessing uh the rainwater and turning it into you know a very productive space so i think that's very cool and then a couple number one a couple more things that you sent it's the number nine arena worldwide according to polestar uh, that's 22 but I'm sure that's going to keep going because the team, mm -hmm. the team, uh, the, the arena is going to get busier. My personal experience, it's one of my top five. It's an incredible place <laughs> to do shows. So there we go. Sports facility of the year, best new concert venue, according to Polestar. And uh, that historic roof that was built for the 1962 World's Fair, the first concert under that roof was the Beatles in 1964. And then you reopen with the Foo Fighters, who I'm not going to make a comparison to the Beatles. <laughs> However, there's a substantial amount of uh, Beatles songwriting that goes into Dave Grohl's stuff. So nice, uh, a nice little tie in there between the two acts. 
And uh, you've done an incredible job over there with your team. Just speaking from experience, I had an, an amazing time over there. So wishing you all the best. And that uh, hockey team of yours is doing pretty good too, you know? Yeah, seven games. Uh, we have not lost in the new year. I'm knocking on every piece of wood that is around me right now. Um, we're <laughs> hoping. It's been fun to watch, and that's always kind of an exciting journey to be on. Yeah, so love it, and it's always fun to have you at the building. So can't wait to hopefully get you there more. <laughs> can't wait to get back. All right, that's uh, that's that's been that's time. You've got you're busy. You got to get back to to the place and do the things. ClimatePledgeArena.com. Uh, where else can people find you online, my friend? Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. It's Jackie Hollowati, pretty obvious. Um, and my Twitter handle is at uh, J Hollowat. So pretty much my name, J H O L O W A T. Awesome stuff. Thank you. This has been Do Did Will the Story of People podcast. And what a story Jackie has. Uh, make sure you do yourself a favor, friends, and get out to Seattle. Check out a game, and um, get her to give you a tour because her tours are pretty rad, and it was pretty fun to do that. All the best, my friend. We'll catch up uh, maybe a year from now and see what's going on with all your plans. So, Sounds thanks, good. Thank you. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.